No other name like that. So while we're singing about this Jesus, why don't we just preach about this Jesus? I'm going to sing you one song that I'm going to go into my message. It's good to be here today. It's good to see all of y'all. The devil has tried to stop me from coming for the last four times. Because I've had something to preach here for seven months. I promise you. I'll tell you about it. And then something's happened every time. But God knows the right timing. I'm going to try to sing this. Wednesday allergies got me. I'm not sick. I haven't been to the doctor before I came to make sure. <laughs> but I do have allergies and they got me Thursday. I cut grass and man, it's been rough. I've never sung this song. I can't sing anyway, much less a song I've never sung. <laughs> but this seemed to go with what I got to say today, so I thought I'd try to sing it. Oh, to some, just some emblem of formality. Symbol that's been used so frequently. Many blaspheme and despise, though it's ancient, it abides. A shrine to death that stands for life to me. There was a cross made for the Son of God at Calvary. Two pieces of rough timber on a hill. Through his hands, through his feet, took the nails for you and me. Angels watched as he died for the Lord. He could have walked away He chose the cross Oh, you see why this old emblem Is so dear to me It stood for suffering Yet brought us the peace It breached the gap for me Offered cleansing for my sins an icon that remains that we're free there was a cross made for the son of god on calvary two pieces of rough timber on a hill through his hands and through his feet he took the nails for you and me Watched as he died for the Lord. Though he could have walked away, he chose a cross. So you see why this old emblem is so dear to me. It stood for suffering, yet it brought us peace. 
close the gap for me or for cleansing for my sins when I walked away he chose a cross though he could have walked away he chose a cross he could have walked away he chose the that today I'm not going to try another one because I won't have no voice to preach but I'm so glad for Calvary today with Cal Calvary there would have been nothing <coughs> without Calvary that have been nothing we use this time of the year for a season of life Normally, this kind of service is only preached on one Sunday a year. Actually, this is my third Easter. I've had three Easter weeks. This is my third week of Easter. I've had two at home and one here. I'll probably have another one next Sunday at my house, my church. Because something struck me about this Easter no one the prophet of God said, oh, what a, East, a resurrection this is. Amen. We use it for one day a year. The world does. I know we, as far as we don't, I understand. But many of us really do. We'll pack our churches on that Easter, which is a shame. Because Easter should be every day. What I'm going to preach to you today is very powerful. <clears throat> Again, I'm not sick. I've got allergies bad. When I hit my 50s, allergies came with it. <clears throat> I got this and spoke at this at the house eight months ago. And something spoke to my heart then. And told me that I would preach this message here. So Brother Donnie called and said, come. And I says, okay. And something happened and I couldn't come. So I called. I said, I can't do it. <coughs> Second time he called and says, can you come? And y'all broke down with COVID. So you had to call three weeks, I think, off. <coughs> Third time he called, I said, I'm on my way. 
You got seven inches of snow. And to be honest with you, I don't know who this is for. So I knew I had to preach it here, and I asked for a certain thing. And it happened just like I asked for. And then he texted me a couple days ago and says, I need you to take Sunday. To be honest with you, I'm not even at home this weekend. I'm on vacation. I'm camping. My wife said, how are you going to work this out? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to Johnson City somehow. <clears throat> so I'm here. So I got up early this morning. Appreciate Brother Malcolm Dolan with me. My in-laws, my daughter-in-law's dad. Appreciate him riding with me today. So I got up and left my camper at the lake and took off up here. So here I am. Brother Brad texted me this week. He said, when was you going to tell me you was coming up? I said, I wasn't going to tell nobody, to be honest with you. I wanted somebody to come to church. (laughs) But I appreciate you coming today. Thank you for coming. Some of you may have knew I'm coming. Some of you may have not knew. I'm sorry for the surprise. Get mad at your pastor. No, don't get mad at him. He's just doing what the the leading's telling him. If you would stand with me. I want to preach on a subject called power of submission. It's a word that nobody likes no more. And I'm going to try to get through with this because it took me three weeks to preach this. So I'm going to try to hit the highlights and everything and get it. I'll read my scripture. Matthew 16. Would you draw that water? Either one. Get ready to be fine. Thank you, brother. Matthew 16, I'm sorry, Matthew 26, 26, verse 16. As I said, this is an Easter message, but it's, it's, I'm going to preach Easter again. So, I've been preaching it for three, two or three weeks at my church, so, we've been having a good time with it, so. In Matthew 26, verse 36. And I'm not reading all the scripture because I I want to get to this. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane. Saith unto his disciples, sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee and began to... Be sorrowfully and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thy will. He cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away again second time praying, saying, O my father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. 
And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that doeth betray me. Heavenly Father, once more as we stand behind this sacred desk, Lord, may the Holy Spirit come in such a powerful way and speak to the hearts of your people. Help me to get myself out of the way that you could come and anoint the lips, Lord, and the ears that the right thing could be said today, the right thing could be heard. Lord, I pray that this would just sweep over through the church, Lord, even including myself. Lord, I can never get enough of this. I pray, Lord, those out in the waves of the internet, Lord, will listen very carefully today. For, Lord, we're grateful once again that we're here this morning. I pray you'll bless each one that's made their way here. I pray that you will help something to be said for them. Those by the way of the internet, God, may they receive today also. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And the bride says, Amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. What a subject this is on the power of submission. Thank you, Brother Harry. When you think about Jesus here in the position and the place that he's in, he must have been thinking, I wonder, you know, he was a man, he's flesh. He's, the Bible tells us he's as you and I. He's come down from glory, put on the robe of man, humanity. His divine has left him, and he stands in this position, this place. I wonder what actually must have been going through his mind. What was his thoughts? What was his thinking at this time? Such a force of the enemy now is coming upon him, coming at him. Again, he's just a man here. We know he's divine. We realize he's God. We understand that this John 1:14 in him dwelt all the fullness. But yet God's brought him to this position. God's brought him to this place. And he stands here now alone. Force of the enemy coming at him in every way that he could. He's fixing to go through something so powerful and so great. He's never been in this spot. He's never been in this position that the enemy has brought him to. Now we know it's all in line with the word. We know that it had to be. But still, he's flesh. We know there's no sin on him. We know that he shouldn't have went on Calvary. But again, he's toting something for me. He's toting something for you. The submission that this man has to come under, to be able to submit in the way that he's going to have to submit to. This word submit is not liked in the day that we live in. Because nobody wants to submit to nothing anymore. My people don't even want to submit to their marriage no more. They want to, the kids don't want to submit to their parents, mother, and father anymore. Families don't want to submit no more. Church people don't want to submit no more. It's not a good word in the age we live in. Come on now, church. It's not, it's this word ain't even liked by humans in this day. But they don't realize that they are submitting to something one way or the other. Amen. The church world, humans in general, don't realize they're submitting to something, period. 
well, I'm not going to uh, submit to this message. I'm not going to submit to the Bible. I'm not going to come under submission to my husband. I'm not going to come under submission to this. You're submitting to something. <laughs> the word isn't actually taught anymore, submission. Oh, my. We can teach on how to be a leader. We can teach on leadership. We can teach on the kingdom. We can all teach on how to lead. Is that right? But if we all leaders, who's going to follow? If all of us are generals, then who's going to serve? If all of us are kings, then who are we going to rule over? And I'm not talking about ruling over like your mind may go. The Bible says we're kings and priests, read of all men. But one of the greatest gifts as I look into this scripture and look into the message of the hour, one of the greatest gifts I believe, and Brother Bam talks about it in several places, is learning how to submit. One of the greatest gifts Brother Ram talked about is learning how to submit. How to come under submission. Without submission, titans and kings with clash. Without submission. Is that right? Warriors will war against each other because no one wants to submit to the other. Why? Because it takes power to submit to something. It takes power to submit. When two kings or two generals come at each other and they're fight to the death. Oh, but we think that's showing how powerful we are. But one if one of them submits. The very thing that we don't want to do. Now listen to me for a little while. To be able to walk with Jesus. To be able to stand beside him. To be able to hear the sermons that this man preached. He was a master at it. This man Jesus that Sister Sarah sung about. This man was a master at preaching the gospel. This man, now I know we don't preach about this man much. Especially in the ranks of the message. I'm prone to believe that most denominational churches preach more about Jesus than the message do. Now don't cut me off, come on. I want you to think of how great this man is, the master that this man is. Anytime that a man can get 5,000 people there, estimated 15,000 there when he created fish and bread, that's a pretty mighty man. And this man didn't have social media. This man didn't have television to tell him and advertise around the world. This man didn't have all kind of Facebook that I'm having a meeting somewhere, come and enjoy. 
Come and sit down with us at meet. We're going to have this and go have this. This man didn't have this. This man didn't have a jet airplane to take him all over the world to conventions. This man was just simple and didn't have none of that, but somehow got 15,000 people together and preached to them. I call this man some master. So there's something great about this man. How did he get 15,000 people in a hot desert to stand and listen to him preach? He preached with such power and demonstration. He'd walk into a city and turn it upside down. Never had a mic, never had nothing that we got. Never had internet, never had television, radio. Never had a ministry like we got. Never had a card to give out. Never had Facebook, never had Twitter, never had nothing. Never had email, never had advertising budget. But had one of the biggest ministries there ever was. Never had fine cars, fine churches, Tom Ford suits. Oh, how we could go on and on and on and on. But he done all of this preaching with just word of mouth. And people just gathered in the desert. Gathered here where this man was coming, they just gathered. He was so, so powerful that when he preached with demonstration, people just went by the word of mouth. Demonstration broke out. He preached one time in a house that people gathered the house. And he was so powerful, people were getting all in and packing the house out. No more could get in. Desperation was struck this one man. And he gets four of his buddies to tow him down to this house. This man could preach. And this man was so sick that he needed to get into this house. He became so desperate to hear this man preach. That he go gets four of his buddies to take him to this house. And they couldn't get in. And somehow they took him on the roof and cut a hole and let him down. This man could preach. I ain't seen nobody have to do that here today. Come on, church. This man could preach. He was so desperate to get inside of the, that little building. Where was that? Think about it. Brother Bam said, you've got to press your way into it. Said, you just can't walk into it, but you press your way into it. Amen. Oh, my. That's why the Bible says that that's why Israel was so desperate to leave Egypt that they eat with their shoes and their loins girded. They were so desperate. Brother Bam said the church today will have to get so desperate to get out of here. But we're so used to the soft living. We're so used to the softness that we've got in this Latiosian church age that we don't want to submit to the word. We don't want to submit to the true message of the hour. Desperation struck this one guy 
And he goes to four of his buddies and says, take me down there. Did any of us do that today? Oh, there's so many people I can't get in. And they made a ladder and got him on the roof. And toted him somehow up a roof. And cut a hole and put him down. This man was so desperate to see Jesus. Was I so desperate to see Jesus like that this morning? Did I come to see Jesus? Or did I come to see you? Did you come to see each other? Or did you come to hear Jesus? You shouldn't come to hear Tim Burdett or Brother Donnie. I don't care who's standing here. You should come to see Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Brother Brown said that's the way the church will be or she will not leave. Can you think about this one man? He wanted it so bad, Sister Janet. He wanted it more than the ones that were already there. He wanted something from God. He had a need, so he wanted it more than the ones that were there. Jesus preached one night in a windstorm. And he was so desperate and so full of the power of God that the winds actually submitted to him. This man could preach. Now I know we message people ain't used to hearing messages like this. Y'all are. But a lot of message people ain't used to hearing this. Because we've come so entitled to preach a quote. Come on, church, don't get mad. Let me get through and I'll go back to South Carolina. We've become so entitled. Just for y'all's protection, I do have some. We've become so entitled to make sure that we have to preach a quote. We need to preach Jesus. Jesus to preach one time so high powerful in a graveyard that a dead man came out and danced out of his clothes. This man could preach. Jesus could preach. It wasn't just that he had a word from the Lord. He was the word. Oh, hallelujah. He was the word. He was God in flesh. God wrapped up in flesh. Peter says, I can't leave you, Lord. Where would I go? You're the only one that has eternal life. It's not what you say. Listen very carefully to this statement. It's not what you say. That is most powerful. Listen now. If you really want to have an impact on someone's life permanently, listen carefully. It's not what you say because words are limited. Words are limited. They only go so far, but it's what you do that will change the lives of the people. It's the action that you take that will change that person, not your words. Oh, God help us today. We're not accustomed to it no more. We're not accustomed to submission no more. The church isn't accustomed to its submission anymore. 
We've abused the word submission. And preachers is the worst. Preachers is the worst. We get the word submission wrong so often that we think our wives has to submit to us in a way that is, they're not dogs. I've seen this so much around the ranks of this message where message preachers think their wives is nothing. They think their wives is just nothing. It makes me sick at my stomach and if I think that, what about God? God wouldn't treat his wife like that. We shouldn't treat our wives like that. Neither should you men treat your wives like that. Well, she's to submit to me. The Bible says I'm the head and I'm this. But are you the right kind of head? I watch people get married. I've married many myself. And all the man thinks he's this big bad and all of this. That's not what submission means. I know some ministers' wives that are scared to death. Of their, wife, of their husbands. Well, I've, I've had a many of them tell me, boy, my wife's under submission. And what I want to ask them is, yeah, that's fine, but how much are you under submission to him? You want, I, you want your wife to be under submission, but yet you don't want to be under submission to the word? You young people, listen to me. You don't get married going in and think your wife's nothing. God died for you. He submitted everything he was on earth for you because of the love that he had. It takes a strong person to turn the other chick. Why? Because basically you turn that other cheek, you have come under submission, not to the individual, but to the word. Amen. Well, I tell you, you let them slap me. I don't know if I can turn the other cheek. That's why you are not under submission. Oh, you're big and bad, ain't you? I'll go back to South Carolina in a minute. Don't worry about it. You have to have a, be a bigger person to walk away. Now Jesus is doing all of his signs and wonders and miracles. Everybody's following him. Everybody's leeching onto him. Everybody's throwing him. Everybody wants to be around him. Miracles out of miracles out of miracles, signs and wonders, everything. Man, people just love him to death. He's doing everything he can. Let's just be honest with each other. 15,000, the Bible says five. 15,000 is estimated to women and children. The Bible says there was only men, 5,000 men. But let's just be honest. Jesus fed all these people with a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread. 
as he would just break a piece off and break a piece off and give it and break it and take up 12 baskets, the Bible said, and send them home or send them to somebody to, to feed the poor or wherever that was at. That's pretty, that's pretty powerful. Let's just be honest with each other. They were, you got free food hanging around Jesus. <laughs> he had massive crowds. Fringe benefits was hanging around with Jesus. You got to eat free. He raised the dead. He turned the water into wine. He walked on the water. Peter liked hanging out with him. <laughs> As long as he was doing something for the people, they loved him. Oh, but things is about to change. As long as I'm exceeding up the ladder, people want to hang around me because they may know I'm going to get there. And when he gets there, he's going to look back on me. That's the world's mentality. What can I get out of hanging around this man? What can I get out of hanging around this man called Jesus? I've people thrown in him thousands upon thousands are trying to touch him. They're always trying to get to him. What is it with this man? This man can preach. <laughs> and as long as you're climbing and climbing and climbing, everybody loves you and loves you and loves you and want to be around you, want to go with you, want to go all the time just calling you and being around you. Uh-oh, but once you stop... But you don't become a disciple of Jesus because he's doing good things. You don't become a disciple of Jesus because he's got big crowds. You don't become a disciple of Jesus because of none of those things. You become a disciple of Jesus because of who you are and who he is. Put an atheist in a church. While he's there, he'll believe in God pretty much. Put the power of God in a building around people. I've seen them. I've had them crying. But when they go back to whatever it is, they're an atheist again. So the influence is there. It's easy for Jesus to preach and do miracles and all the great things. But his time now is coming where he's going to have to submit in a way that he's never submitted to. The time is here, children, where we're going to have to submit in a way that we've never submitted before. Amen. Oh, I'm a message believer. Oh, I got a picture, Brother Branham. I got a belt buckle. I don't care how many pictures you got in your house. You think a picture makes, make, makes me look twice and say, I'll call you a message person? No, it doesn't. You can have a, you can have a picture, Brother Branham, all over your house and every wall. That don't mean nothing to me and don't mean nothing to God. I'm not against it. I'm just saying that's our mentality. Praise the Lord. Uh, when the winds is blowing and he speaks and the winds stop at the sound of his voice, they say, wow, man, look at this guy. But now he's fixing to walk into a position he's never walked into. Now the excitement goes away. Now the very people that wanted to be around him is wanting to kill him. Now the crowd goes home. The crowd begins to thin out. The winds now, tribulation starts. People now is just turning away from him. People's turning from the message. Why? When they think one thing's wrong. 
Go ahead and get quiet. I'm going to preach this and then I'm going back to South Carolina. Oh, Jesus did this and Jesus this and the crowd's leaving him. He's walking now by himself. We've done the same thing in the ranks of this message. One little thing don't line up on paper and we're ready to forget 25, 30, 40 years of believing and following the message. What's wrong with us? You willing to take people's word over this message? Do you realize these people that's going around doing this, they're taking somebody else's word? Glory! Like I told somebody the other day, and you forgive me if you think this comes out wrong. You gotta be a fool to leave this. He's at the Garden of Gethsemane in his greatest moments of his life. They're not 5,000 men standing here now. They're not all these people waiting and looking for something to happen. He stands by himself. An oil press. A small farm that's situated across the brook Cardon at the foot of Mount Olive to the northeast about one half or three quarters of a mile from the walls of Jerusalem. 100 yards east of the bridge of Cardon. There was a garden, an orchard attached to it, to which olive, fig, and pomegranates doubtless invited resort by their hospitality shade. Our Lord often would resort there with his disciples, but Gethsemane has not come down to us as a scene of myrrh. It's an exhaustible association of the offspring of a single event. The agony of the Son of God on the evening the preceding his passion. A garden with eight venerable olive trees and grotto to the north, detached from it and in close connection with the church of the sepulcher of the Virgin Mary, are pointed out as a gesinemy against the contemporary quality of the olive trees has been urged that Titus cut all down the trees of Jerusalem. The, prob the probability would seem that they were planted by Christian hands to mark the spot like the sacred groves of Acropolis that they produce, reproduce themselves a wine press. To bring under subjection to, to be able to come into this place to submit yourself to it, to arrange under, to subordinate, to subject into subjection, to come under submission of one's control, to yield to one, to obey. The Greek military term means to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. In non-military use, it was voluntary attitude of giving in corporation, assuming responsibility and carrying a burden. This is where this man is standing. This man is standing at this very spot. The excitement's gone away. Nobody's screaming for him no more. Nobody wants to be around him. Everybody's leaving him. Peter don't even want to be found with him. Peter says, I ain't never seen him. I don't even know him. Now his own disciples is coming against him. Right, right. Yeah. 
Oh, but when this man was preaching, they loved him. They stood by him. But now they say, I never seen him. I never knew him. Ooh. When Brother Branham was doing all the great signs and wonders and miracles, they loved him, want to be with him. But when he come across and preached that word, they shut the doors and wouldn't let him preach. And he said, I can't even find the door anymore. Why? Because something had happened. He now comes under submission to something he's never come under submission to. His greatest moments in life. There's not a woman with the issue of blood standing there. Where's blind Bartimaeus now? Jesus never hardly goes to Jericho. But this time he comes into Jericho and he walks in and walks straight through and walks out. And there's blind Bartimaeus. Miracles and signs and wonders and all these things. Lazarus isn't in the garden. But when he comes to the garden, he comes by himself. The cross stands there. And now he takes all of my burdens. He don't want to go. There's something he's screaming out. I don't want to go. Why? Because now he's actually talking my language. He's now talking like I would talk. If this cup passes from me, let it. I don't want to go. He's now trying to do his own will. Humanity has now stepped into this man and the divine power of God has left this man. Brother Bam said he's turned his back on him. Jesus stands in the garden here. This is the first time if you go back and look, Jesus prayed one time. And he prayed a few scriptures back just two or three days before he goes to the garden. He prays a prayer that he wants to be glorified. Let those that, I've, that, that you've given me, they were yours and they're mine. You know the prayer in John, St. John there, I think it was. He's praying a prayer that he's never prayed before like this. The prayer in, in Matthew 6 was a prayer to teach the disciples how to get in touch to the Father. But now this prayer has changed. There's something going on in him. He's now submitting to something he's never submitted to. Oh, my. There he takes all my sins upon himself. But if there had been no garden experience, there would have been no Calvary. If there had been no Gethsemane, there had been no cross. So he now has to walk through this place in his life alone. Peter and James and John and Zebedee and all of them standing there would not pray with him, would not go with him to prayer. They were tired and they were sleepy. They was not desperate. They have not submitted yet. Oh, they were going to in a few short days, but they hadn't yet. Oh, my God, Jesus is coming to this spot. It's, he's coming to the spot where we are justified. The cross is where, where great law became grace. It's where victory won for every one of us. He has to come here. 
and we think we're going to get by. He's my unleavened bread. He's my feast of tabernacles. He's my ancient of days. He's my trumpet. He's my kinsman redeemer. He's my day star. He's the lily of the valley. He's the bright morning star. He's everything, every type and every shadow. He's preparing the way for Calvary. He was the priest now become the lamb. He was the offerer and the offering. Now he's become the very kingdom. But I promise you one thing, the cross was settled before one nail ever was drove. Amen. Calvary was settled before one nail was ever drove. Glory, hallelujah. He had submitted before one nail ever drove and let put his hands. Can you think of that very Roman soldier that brought that old? He was actually bringing, when he was driving the nails, bringing the old and the New Testament together. He's bringing submission. His speech together with one nail. A private struggle. Is something going on? His submission is coming. Thousands and thousands love the stage and love the lights, but don't want the heat that comes with it. We'd love to preach to 5,000, 15,000, 20,000, but don't want the heat that comes with it. Wow. Hold your taters. I'm going to give you something, a testimony in a minute. Hold on. What does lights do? Lights put out heat. People love the stage, they love the lights, but they don't want the heat. It's the private time of a person that's trying to find the will of the Lord. We see Christ in God. We can understand that. We can see that. We see his lordship. We see his authority. We see him as he stands there and calls Lazarus out of the grave. Oh, it's beautiful, friends. He never laid hands on him. Just calls his name. What a man this is. And this man has now laid off his divine ship. Puts on the robe of humanity and stands there. And begins to speak my language. And ask God. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Amen. He's asking God, why? Why? Because that's what we do. He's now saying what I say. God, why has this come on me? Why am I going through this? There's <laughs> power in this man. There's something going on in this man. Something is raging within this man. He's God. Let me skip over some of this here. He stands here. His humanity, Brother Brad, 
His humanity is never no more apparent than it is right now in this text of verse. His humanity is showing more here than it's ever showed. He's not walking on the water. He's not healing the sick. He's not raising the dead. He's not feeding 5,000. His humanity is standing at this point of his life. He comes into the garden. The big crowds are gone. The lights is turned off. The people has left him. The cities are silent for this moment. He's at the garden of Gethsemane, the very place where the olives are squeezed to produce oil. If you want to know how much the olive oil cost, and if I asked you the question, how much did that bottle of olive oil cost? Well, I give $3.47 at Ingalls. I give $4.50 at Publix because they normally hire. I went to Walmart and got it for $3.20. They're cheaper. But if you want to know the real cost of the olive oil, you don't ask that. You've got to ask the oil itself. What's the cost of this man standing here going to where he's going? You would have to ask. You don't ask the consumer. He knows what he paid for it out of his pocket. But ask the olive. And the olive is sitting there and they crush it. And they roll it and they crush it. And he's squeezing everything that's in him out. I wish I had a tube of toothpaste. I used that analogy at the house. And I took that toothpaste and I rolled it. You know, you use it for a week or two or three, whatever long, how big it is it makes you. And you get down to the last. I don't know about y'all, but I don't throw it in the trash. I'll take it on the very end and roll a quarter of an inch and roll it. I'll get another week like that. I go back in there the next day and I'll roll it another quarter of an inch. Well, it pushes enough out. And you just keep on and you keep pressing. I'll lay it on the counter and I'll just press it and press it and press it and press it. I'm getting everything I can out of the toothpaste because I paid for that. The olive alone knows how much it cost, not the consumer. The olive can say, I know what it costs to get this oil. I know what it costs to get this like this. It, <coughs> it knew how much it cost. It knows just how much pressure it takes and how much it can take to be crushed. And my Jesus is standing at the garden, the place of pressing, the place of a pressure. And it's no accident that he does not pray this prayer by the Sea of Galilee. This is not, no, no, listen. It's a place of pressing because everything is falling in order. He does not pray, say this prayer anywhere else. His prayer from Matthew 6 to John actually changes. If you want to really boil it down, most people don't. I've never heard it preached in the way that I looked at it and seen it this week. You take the woman with the alabaster box. This woman with the alabaster box is mentioned two times in the scriptures. I think it's St. Uh, Luke 7 and Matthew uh, 6, if I'm not mistaken. One of them is at the house of uh, Simeon the leper. One of them is at the house of Simeon the Pharisee. Two different occasions. 
Historians believe that it could have been three different occasions because one time it was two days before the Passover or before crucifixion, and the one believes it was six days before. But then we have another woman that comes into view that she's going by the road and she hears some, a little celebration, a party or something. And she goes up there to look, and we know her to be a prostitute. We know her to be an ill-famed woman. We know this lady to be walking by there, and she sees what's going on. And she walks up to the gate, maybe, and walks through and sees this man with dirty feet. Brother Brown preaches that Jesus with dirty feet. And he's sitting over in the corner by himself, and everybody's having a G.O. good time. Jesus sitting there with dirty feet, and something strikes this woman like she's never felt before. She runs back to her house and gets what we call, the Bible says it two different ways, two different times, alabaster box. Here stands my, let me put it in my language. Here stands my alabaster box. We call him Jesus Christ. You say, well, I've never heard it that way. We just sit down a few minutes and listen. Here stands my alabaster box. Because I wonder how many of us really know what this alabaster box was, what it was made of and how it was made. He comes, to, she comes in, she runs home, gets the money out of the alabaster box, goes down there and buys the frankincense, the myrrh, the things that she wants to anoint him, the things that she wants to wash his feet with. He, she now breaks open. She goes in the house and stands behind him. She's weeping, the Bible says. This actually, this is very careful of this. This struck my attention and made me lie. I like the head of one of those hissy fits. This woman, when this happens at Simon the Pharisee's house, is actually one year before this crucifixion. One year. And I typed it out as this man, here's the lamb. In the days of Moses, they would bring a sacrificial lamb to Moses and Aaron. Aaron, he <coughs> He would take it in behind, offer it up. He would pray for himself, for his sins. He would pray for the priesthood. And then he would offer that and pray for the people and give that. And that would last, the Bible tells us, one year. In one year, they'd have to go back. Give this man Aaron and the Levites, the priests, another lamb. Would you offer this for me? I've sinned this year. I've done this and I've done that and I've done this. And in the next month of April, April, they would do the same thing over and over for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Now comes this woman with an alabaster box. She comes up to Jesus. One year, one year, here stands the sacrificial lamb and they didn't know who he was. One year, here he stands with Jesus with dirty feet. And she comes in and breaks open the box. Some historians say that they literally break the box. I don't believe it was kindly like that. But I believe there was something going on greater than just breaking the box. Here stands my Lord, my alabaster box, fixing to be broke open. Brother Bram said he broke him into pieces. He's standing there. I can't keep this on. I'm just going to take it off.
not one bone in his body. Isaiah would tell us not one bone, or David tell us not one bone would be broken. We know that his bones are not broken, but yet something transpires and happens, and they break him to pieces, basically. I see it as a seal been broken. This woman with the alabaster box at Simon's house, or the Pharisee's house, they're standing over making fun of him. If he knew who she was, he wouldn't have her to do nothing with him. He wouldn't let her wash his feet. He, wouldn't, he didn't have no choice. Something was happening and taking place. They didn't realize it, but he knew who she was. They didn't know who she was. They knew her flesh, but he knew her inside. They knew what she'd done, but he knew where she was going to be. She breaks the box. She breaks the seal. Once the seal's broke, what's inside comes out. Now stands my alabaster box, and he's fixing to go into the garden to be broke, and a seal's coming forth. An alabaster box was actually made with white marble stone. It's very costly. My mind went to Brother Branham when he said, I stood there on the top of that mountain and I broke open the top of the mountain and on that was a white marble stone. He says, and I looked and he said, go west. He said, you stand here and look at it. Something was breaking forth. Here's Jesus under submission. Something was coming forth that's never been done before. He's carrying the weight of my sins. He's carrying the weight of your sins. When he lifted your burdens and he lifted my burdens, do you know what it actually means? That he could pick them up higher than I could pick them up. And he picked them off of mine and placed them on his own. This man called Jesus. She anoints him and she begins to pour the oil upon him. She begins to wash his feet. The dirt begins to come off. She flips her hair over the back of her head and she begins to dry his feet. His glory now becomes her glory. The Bible says the hair is the glory of a woman. Her glory is laid upon him. It didn't change him. It changed her. We get around people and we change. We ought to change the people we get around. Don't let the world change you. You change the world. I see him as he stands there. Brother Bam Sadari stands in the corner all by himself. And he's standing there. And he's got dirty feet. And she washes his feet. And they're making fun of her. She's broke a seal. She's broke open the box. Peter, James, and John, Zebedee, and all them couldn't understand. But he's going in the garden. The box is fixing to be broken open. A seal's coming forth. Something was transpiring. The next time you hear about alabaster box, it's where Mary of Bethany goes into the house of Simon the leper. 
and she breaks open a box to anoint. It's the only two times. And both times a seal was broke. I thought, oh God, here stands my Jesus, my Redeemer, my kinsman, my Lord, my Lord Jesus Christ. And he breaks open the box and begins to wash me. He begins to wash all the sins off of me. He didn't cover them up as they did in Leviticus and Exodus. He just didn't lay something over them. He took them away. He put them so far beneath the ocean, nobody can see them again. That's my Jesus. As the little black man in the video says, I wonder, do you know him? Oh, how he says, I wish I could explain him. Y'all ever seen that video? And he goes through five or ten minutes of the spill of who this man is. And he says, oh, how I wish I could explain who he is. And I wonder, do you know him? Brother Harry, I've gotten on that video and can't get away from it. I play it about every other week in my church. If I tell my men that they're in the sound booth to hit it, they hit it. And I sit there and watch it again. I don't care if I'm preaching or not. Why? Because I wonder, do I know him in that order? Do I know him like that? Do I know him as Savior and Redeemer and all of these things? Do I know him as healer? How do I know this man? Where's all the crowds now? Where's all the hustle and the bustle? Watch with me one hour, he says. He's now coming to submission. No submission, no cross. But we submit to something. Is there a mic I can hold? Y'all have a mic that I can hold? I can't be still. I wonder, have we come under this kind of submission? I'm fixing to close. Hold on. Do we know him in that kind of submission? Do we know him in that kind of power? Or do we just know him by just reading a scripture verse? Do we know him just by reading the quote? How do we know this man? Do I know this man in the submission that he's in? But we're going to submit to something. Every single one of us in here today is going to submit to something. If you don't submit to Jesus, you're submitting to something. If you don't submit to him, you're submitting to the enemy and you don't even realize it. We ain't getting by no less than what this man did. Paul says you'll suffer to reign with him. We understand that we'll go through pressures. I'm not saying the tribulation. I understand all that. I know the message and what the Bible teaches. I understand that. But don't think we're just going to walk by. Brother Bam said you've got to press. Even Luke, the book of Luke says, you've got to press your way into this kingdom. You press, you push and push and push and push your way into the kingdom. It's not, not 
Jesus made the way, but he, you, Brother said he can't push you through the pipe and you say that you overcome. You didn't do nothing. We're all guilty. Only ask for these guys one hour. He asked these guys one hour to pray with him. That's not asking much. He asked these guys one hour and they couldn't do that. They couldn't do one hour praying with this man after what this man has done for them. Hold your taters. Put your five-point harness on. I'm fixing to open the back wall. We have three services a week normally. Everybody does, mostly. And it's hard for us to make one. Thank you for that one clap. Three services a week and we mainly can fill one service up. That is pathetic. Now we've went to two because of Corona. I did it too. I probably couldn't get my church back to church on Sunday night. Brother Donnie's probably gonna have a time to get y'all to come on Saturday again. Oh my. Oh, but I got this to do, Tim. You don't know how busy I am. You don't know where I gotta go and I gotta do this. Oh, you're under submission to somebody, all right. Wonder if my Jesus said, Lord, Father, I can't go there. I got a convention in the morning. I can't do this today. I'm too busy to do this. We all do it. I don't know about y'all, but in South Carolina, we call that humanity. And now I go to my church and if I hold 15 minutes longer, they won't know why I held 15 minutes over. You know we gotta eat at 12 o'clock. The restaurants is gonna be so full, I'll have to wait in line. You, it ain't gonna hurt none of y'all to miss a meal. Don't worry, your gut ain't gonna hurt. The olive can't produce oil without pressure. And Jesus crushed him. Now I think there's some more in him. 
now let me crush him again. And he just kept on, kept on, kept on for you. For me. He's applying pressure. The Father knows what's in him. And the only one that knows what's in him is the Father. Peter, James, and John, Zebedee, and all them, they didn't know what was in the man. But Jesus, the Father, knew what was in him. He knew I can get it out of him. I ain't got time to pray today. I'm so busy, I just don't know. Man, I'm tired. I just got to get to bed so I can get up in the morning at 5 o'clock and go make some more money. And I got to do it again tomorrow night. I just can't. I just don't. Lord, I don't have time to pray. No 15 minutes. You know how busy I am, Lord. Oh, but we'll submit to the dollar bill, won't we? Donnie may never call me back. I should say, Brother Donnie, I'm sorry. We'll submit to that almighty dollar. You're submitting to something. I'm submitting to something. Lord, let me come under submission. Let me come under submission. I'm skipping something to get to something special I like, then I'm going to close. Oh, God, help us today. I wish I had time to preach this whole thing, but I don't. Don't tempt me. But there's something that struck me. He's under submission to the Father. <laughs> submission has been took out of the home, so we'll take it out of the church. If you watch the scriptures, you'll find when the king bowed down to the floor, he was on his knees to wash his feet, you remember? When the king was down there, she bows down to the floor. Where's the king? He's at the floor. Oh my, what a spill we could go through with this. She bows down and begins to worship him and cry. Can you imagine this woman, this prostitute woman, ill-famed woman, is so crying, she's crying so much that she has enough tears and water to wash his feet. And she's bowed before the king of kings. When we go down to pray and to seek his name, to come under submission, we bow. Where's he at? On the floor. It's been took out of the homes. <clears throat> it's been took out of the businesses. It's been took out of the schools. <clears throat> it's been took out of a lot of the churches. You want a revival? Submit. <clears throat> you want to feel more God? Submit. 
You want to see the Holy Ghost run these pews? Submit. Oh, but Brother Tim, we don't believe that's Pentecostalism. I know Happy Valley better than that. I've been coming here since 1993. I know Donnie Reagan, Brother Donnie, a lot better than that. You want to have a Holy Ghost meal? Submit. You want to go home and say, well, I don't know why I didn't feel nothing this morning. Did you submit? Or do you want to get something at church and feel something at church? You say, well, I ain't in feeling. I don't want a religion that ain't got no feeling. Don't give me a religion that ain't got no feeling because I don't want it. Well, my religion ain't got feeling. Well, your religion's dead. Your religion's dead. And Brother Brown said anything is dead is no emotion. There's nothing that's just laying there. There's no emotion to it. That's what we've done to the message of the hour. We've basically killed it. Well, we don't believe this no more. We don't believe that no more. We don't believe this no more. Do we believe anything anymore? Listen, friends. Submission is not doing something that you want to do. That's called agreement or compliance. Listen now. Submission is not when I asked you to go to the store and get me something. Listen, let me explain it this way. It's not when I asked you to go to the store and you wanted to go to the store anyway. Well, I'm going by that way anyway. I'll just pick it up. You didn't submit. You was going anyway. But submission is when I asked you to do something for me and you do it when you don't want to do it. Jesus didn't want to go to Calvary, whether you believe it or not. He didn't want to die. He didn't want to go in the garden. He didn't want to be pressed. He didn't want to have nails. He didn't want to have stripes. But he did it because he loved you. Why? He submitted himself to the Father. Jonah tried that one time, didn't he? Go to Nineveh, ain't gonna do it. And he jumps on this boat that goes the opposite way. Jesus said, yes, you will. I'll bring you to submission some way or the other. And the boat's doing this and all kind of stuff and they're throwing things over and Jonah says, hey boys, it's my fault. I didn't submit to him. And they picked Jonah up. Just throwed him overboard and the seas come down. Submission is when you want to go to Tarnish and he tells you to go to Nineveh. And you change your plans to go to Nineveh because he said it, not because you wanted to. Submission is when you get up on Sunday morning and didn't want to go to church and he says go to church. And the enemy says, well, don't you have problems? Don't you have, are you hurting here? I watched Brother Louie come through that back door with a cane. Excuse me why I give him a rose. 
if anybody had a right to stay at home and watch the internet, it's Louis Belevins this morning. But I watched him behind this pulpit sing like he never sung before. Why, he was under submission. Well, I got a headache. I had one coming up here this morning. I could have easily called Brother Don and said, hey, I can't make it, I'm sick. You think I want to scream and holler and sound like this for another two weeks because I preached to y'all this morning? Sure don't. But you knew, I knew I had to come because the, the, uh, the, the father done told me. God said, you going to Nineveh, boy. <laughs> you going whether you like it or not. Can you imagine that fish? Just swallows the man whole. Goes right over, swims right. You tell me they ain't a God. You are a moron. <laughs> man, the, the, the big old whale fish swim right all the way over the seas, right to Nineveh, walked up there and just spit him out. Tell me they ain't a God. The fish believed in God. The fish came under submission. <laughs> oh, if we come under submission, do you realize what God could do? If Tim Burdett would come under submission to the word, do you realize what he would do? Do you realize what he would do to our services? Do you realize there'd be healing at our healing, miracles, saving, salvation, redemption, and all this? Miracles, signs, and wonders. Oh, brother, we don't believe in it no more. You just an old stick in the mud. My Jesus never done away with none of that. People done away with that. Humanity done away with that. My God never done away with none of that. My, 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 my. I may have enough voice to go five more minutes. Hold your taters now. Submission is something else, friends. Come on, just give me a break. I ain't been here in a year. Let me get it out of my system. Submission is when you have a big crowd, but you serve a, you want a big crowd and you serve a small crowd. Submission is when you thought you wanted to sing, but they wanted you to clean the church. <laughs> hey, can you meet us at church? We're going to do something. Yeah, could you clean this? Well, I thought you wanted me to sing a special. You can't sing a special, just clean. That's Submission. Submission is when you humble and you say, <laughs> when you humble yourself and say, <laughs> oh, well, I'll leave it alone. <laughs> oh, my, my, my. Lord, I'll clean the church if that's what you want. I'll sing a song if that's what you want. <laughs> I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord. <laughs> Just let me become submitted. Submission is something that you don't want to do. <clears throat> a 
I wonder what the percentage of fusses would be <laughs> if we would submit right to God. If kids would say, Lord, Mom and Daddy, what you want us to do today? If kids would come under submission to Mom and Daddy, Mom, is anything I can do today? Daddy, what you need done today? My God, if my kids done that, I'd faint and have a heart attack. Y'all probably would too, wouldn't you? Where'd you get? Go get my kids and bring my kids back because I don't know who y'all are. That's submission. Submission is how can I make your life better? How can I serve you today? How can I make your life better today, Brother Wes? That's submission. We forgot what submission is. Just think now, if that kind of spirit was in our homes, wow, what kind of home we would have. If that kind of spirit was in our churches, what kind of churches would we have? Oh, but it can be. It will be. <laughs> the Bible says your master was a servant. And he became obedient in the garden. My, my, my. Do you love him today? Jesus brings a couple of people with him in the garden. <coughs> and he has to pray. And they says, No. And he comes back and shakes them. Let's pray one hour. He does it three different times. It's the third time he just tells them, just forget it. I'll do it myself. Don't let me be like that, Lord. He don't want to go there, friends. He's been with these guys 33 years. He's about to leave the earth. He brings these people with him and says, pray with me. For one hour. But they were so sleepy. Huh. It's two wheels. Father's will and your will. Two wills. Which one are you going to serve? And that's the struggle. The flesh and the spirit. The father's saying go to Calvary. The flesh is saying is there any other way? Can I do something else? Nah. Got to go to Calvary. Okay, but not my will, but thine be done. So one's pushing me this way. Brother, I'm talking about the natural and the spiritual. One's pushing me this way. One's pushing me this way. Submission. Friends, if we don't submit, we're not going to make it. If the church of the living God, I'm talking about in general, I don't care where she's gathered around the world. If we don't come to submission to this word, we're not going to make a rapture. You can preach rapture and preach 25,000 quotes a day and read 10, 10 books and listen to 30 tapes a week. You don't submit. You ain't making a rapture. 
Well, I've submitted to the message and I've submitted to Brother Branham and I've submitted to the tapes. Have you submitted to Jesus? You can't submit to those things till you submit to Jesus first. The rest of the stuff will line up. If we don't submit something, we ain't gonna make it. It's getting worse and worse. This world's in a mess. We're caught up right in the middle of it. People submitting to the government, submitting to the Democrats, submitting to the Republicans. I ain't submitting to none of their bunch of nuts. Mm, I ain't submitting to none of them bunch of nuts. Uh-uh. You ain't getting me on none of their sides. Help me to submit to Christ. And the flesh is trying to find someone or some flesh to support their idea. That's what the Democrats do, then that's what the Republicans do. That's what we do as Christians. We'll go to one and try to find some, you know, uh, find them to support us, and then they won't. We'll go find another one over here to see if they'll support us. And we're missing the very big picture. Don't do that, children. We've got to submit. What do you do when you, Jesus is praying to the Father. Now he hadn't, he uses the word my God, my God the first time when he goes to Calvary. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? It's the first time he's used my God. He's used Father. And he stands there. I look at it and I see it. <coughs> he stands there. And he prays. And Jesus and the Father, listen, the Father don't say nothing. That's tough. Give me some kind of answer. But he don't say nothing. So what do you do with that prayer? Because I know we've all prayed sometime in our life and didn't get an answer that we didn't think. But what do you do when he don't say nothing? We see someone get saved, we jump, shout, speak in tongues. We see somebody get born again, get the Holy Ghost. We jump, shout, sing, worship and all that. But when you don't say nothing, what do you do? What do you do when you pray and you don't get nothing? <laughs> oh my. God help us. From human to divine. From divine to human. I hadn't been here since I had a stroke. Some of you probably didn't even know it. But one year ago this month, March, May, April, what is today, April? What's before April, March? Sometime in March, I think it was. It's been a year and a month, maybe. I had a stroke. Stroke me down, hit me down this side here. And then I got went numb on this, all this, all this, all the way down. Even today, this right here is all numb. I don't feel nothing. It's after effects of the stroke. You don't know how many times I've asked God, why in the world did you let me have a stroke? I'm 55 years old, fixing to be 56 this year. I'm in pretty good shape. I, they probably ain't one of you young people can keep up with me. To be honest with you, I ride mountain bikes where 20 year olds can't. I'm in pretty good shape. And a stroke hits me on the roof. It's been one year and one month. 
And I've wondered, why in the world would you let me have that? That I still feel the effects of it today. I can't feel nothing. Nothing. For three solid months, three solid months, I laid in the bed. I figured I was going to die anyway. I'm done. I didn't go to work. I didn't even preach. I didn't even go to church just a few times. I would get out, walk in the yard, go right back to the bed, shut all the shades and shut the door. I'd lay there and cry and cry and cry. I wonder why in the world is this happening to me? Brother Malcolm, he knows it's the truth. He goes to my church. Man, I was sick. For about four weeks, I didn't even get out of the bed probably just to go to the bathroom and go get me a sandwich in there. My wife would come home. She would go in. She would get a book or a tape or something. And she'd go on the front porch. And she told me after this, four weeks, she said, I just knew you was going to lay on the bed and die. That's how bad I got. See, I couldn't even feel me leaning up against this post right here a while ago when that hits my leg. There's nothing there. It's numb. The doctor told me it's after effects of a stroke. You may never get over it. Stroke hit me right here. It went down my left side. They put me in the hospital, put me in the doctors. Every test that could be done. I thought I was doing better. Got in my work truck, went back to work. Me and Tony on a job, he hits me again. I look at him, I say, take me to the hospital. He said, what's wrong? I said, it's happening again. He gets me off the roof, he takes me to the hospital, he pulls up into the ER place. I get out by myself and admit myself. My wife knows nothing about it. I admit myself, y'all got to help me. I lay there and lay there and lay there. They do test at a test at a test at a test. And they come back. I can't find nothing. You had a stroke. We don't know what happened. We don't know why it happened. We don't know nothing. But you had a stroke. I was a man, $30,000 later with no insurance, and you still ain't giving me no answers. That's tough. Now, I'm grateful that they didn't find nothing. But they ain't gonna do them free. <laughs> I walk in the hospital and she says, what? I said, I'm having a stroke. Boy, when they take off and take me back through her and lay me down, hook me up, start doing all this stuff. And I'm wondering then, I should've stayed on my job. I'm gonna die, I'd rather die out there and die in here with y'all do it all this junk. <laughs> I called my wife, she said, where you at? I said, I'm in the hospital. She said, what? Wouldn't let nobody in cause of COVID, you know. It was a mess for months and months. They sent me to a neurologist. They says, we need to check something. So they sent me to a neurologist. It took me four months to get a neurologist appointment. I finally make it to a neurologist after I'm about dead. They'll let you die. 
I said, ma'am, why can't I? Why, I know that many people ain't having that much problem. Come on. These neurologists, you know, doctor's offices everywhere. She said, and here's her words. You don't have no insurance. I said, so you're not going to help me? She said, well, we'll get you in in four months. I waited four months. Malcolm, you know this is the truth. Four months for a radiologist. They wanted to check my, you know, I could have told them it wasn't there to begin with. I finally make it to them. He takes me in the office. He sets me down. And he starts standing up from me. Now, to me, he's more of a loony tune than I am. A urologist, I hope ain't nobody in here. I ain't no urologist here already. There ain't nobody here urologist. They loony tunes. He even told me, he said, you probably think I'm a loony more than you, don't you? I says, yeah. But that's their way of trying to find out what's wrong with me. And he's standing in front of me doing all this stuff and all this for four solid hours. He kept me and I'm looking at him. He gives me three words when he walks in the door and says, remember them in four hours. I says, man, I don't know what I had for breakfast. But what he didn't know, I was saying them words a thousand times over my head. I ain't, because if I'd have missed one, he'd have found something wrong with me. I know how them people are. I said, I'm going to fool him. So I kept saying, he's talking, doing all this, and I'm not really paying him no attention. I'm saying him three words over in my mind. When he gets through, he said, what's them words? And I spit them out. He said, ain't nothing wrong with you. But what he didn't realize, I went in the truck and wrote them three words down <laughs> in case he ever wanted me to tell him again. And I'm walking out. He says, go to the lab. I'll take some blood work. I go down to the lab. He takes 16 tubes of Blood work. I ain't talking about a tube like this. I'm talking about a tube like this. I looked at her. I says, ma'am, I don't have that much blood. And Janet says, she started doing that, and it got down to about 12, and there wasn't nothing coming out. And she was thumping it and all this stuff, took the thing off, and she's doing it. She finally gets 16 tubes. I mean, I'm doing like this right here, but she got 16 tubes. <laughs> I said, man, if I ain't dead, y'all gonna kill me. He said, we just wanna check your blood. I said, okay, so. He called me in one week, he said, and this is where it got me. He called me in one week, he said, Tim, I'm sending you to another doctor, we found something. Don't tell humanity that. I'm already a nervous wreck. I said, what'd you find, doctor? Well, we're sending you to a cancer doctor. He said, we found something in your blood. I says, and then you know what I thought. So for two weeks, I'm a nervous wreck. I don't even tell my wife. She got mad because I helped it from her. But I didn't want her to worry. I didn't even tell my church. Matter of fact, I just told this testimony Wednesday night to my church. They didn't even know it. So they take me to this cancer doctor. He goes in there. He said, we found this. And he uses these names this big and this big. Found this right here, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I won't let you go home. Six months, I need you to come back. It's the second time now. I want you to go home. We're going to check it. And we're going to come back. And we're going to see how it's progressing. I said, okay. And Sister Janet, I'm, I'm sick now. I'm just sick. I'm just sick, you know. It's the worst thing that could happen to a person. 
Brother Robert, I'm sick. Six months goes by. Two weeks ago, I had to go back. And I played it off for the last eight months when it first started. I've tried to be happy. I've tried not let it bother me. I've tried to preach with it. I've tried to do all this. So they call me and say, come back in and get some more. So she takes 10 more tubes this time. She said, come back the 14th, which would have been this past Wednesday. Well, I'm a nervous wreck. Because all I know they're going to find is me eat up. That's just what the enemy's telling you. You say, oh, Tim, you got to have faith. Well, you try it. Man, I got five grandkids and a church to preach to. I ain't got time to die. I go back to the 14th, yet like this past Wednesday, and I walk in the door and I'm sitting down. And I got that with me. This was prayed over eight months ago. It's dirty, filthy, probably stinks. Yeah, it don't. It smells like oil. They prayed over this eight months ago for my stroke, and it's never left my body. Now, this may not mean that to y'all, it probably don't mean that to a lot of people. But I read the Bible where the Paul did it, so I said, well, I think I'll just do what Paul did. So I don't believe in it. I don't care if you believe in it or not. I ain't going to argue over with you. So I've took this and stuck it in my pocket. I sleep with it. I go to work with it. I go to uh, camping with it. I go to vacation with it. Everywhere I go, this is on me. It stays right here. So I pull up and I go in and I got this in my hand. And I'm ringing and I'm praying. I'm praying. I'm praying. I prayed when I got out of the truck. I prayed walking to the door. You know, I'm wondering, my goodness, what's he going to tell me? And I get in there and I sit down and they call me back in there. The doctor will be here in a minute. They've done all for checking. I said, okay. So they shut the door, boy, and I threw my hands up, started praying. Started worshiping, started praying. I ain't telling him what he'd have thought if he'd come in the door with my hands up and me acting like that. But at the time, I didn't really care. So finally, he comes in the door. And I'm wringing my hands and soaking wet. And I'm going like this, you know. I'm wiping my face. I said, all right, Doc, give it to me. He says, he sits down right there in front of me. He says, well, Tim, whatever was there is gone now. I started crying, man. I ain't got happy crying, hands lifted up, and I think he thought I was a lunatic. I didn't really care. He said, I got you other tests and all them, and the other doctor, all the tests he took, and what he's seen and what I seen, he said, but it's not there, it's gone. I said, praise the Lord. He just looked at me. So I still believe in it. Amen. Come too late to tell me it don't work. Amen. So I go straight out to the car and I get in the car and I start crying and man, tears is running down my cheek. And I'm even sitting in that doctor's office because they wanted to talk to me before I left. So I sat down and waited for her to call me back out there and tears is running down and she, I noticed she's over just looking, what's wrong with him? But... uh I get out in the car and I call Lane and tell her. She said, where are you at? I said, I'm at the doctor's office. She says, I didn't know you had to go to the doctor. I said, I didn't tell you. 
I don't like it when you don't tell me. That's not right. You're doing me wrong. I said, well, I didn't want you to worry. What about it? And I told her, and she got excited. But God is still God. I wonder, do you know him? Do you know that kind of Jesus? He's awesome, ain't he? You're going to submit to something. Whatever you submit to, it's going to pull you that way. I got several quotes here. Brother Brown says, before this body can ever become perfected, you will have to be in submission first. I mean, I could go on with quote after quote after quote. You're going to submit to something, friends. Let it be the right thing. Let it be the right thing. He'll change your life. Young people, he can change your life. Don't get messed up. God is real. That's the kind of Jesus we serve. Again, I wonder, do you know him? Let's stand together and give him a hand clap of praise. He's wonderful, ain't he? That song, Brother Harry sung, would you do it again, brother? How beautiful, wonderful you are. What a wonderful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. There ain't nothing like him, friends. There's nothing like him. Submit to him. Submit to the word. And watch the wonders the miraculous power demonstration that he'll do in your life. Amen. We're so close to the end. We're so close to the rapture. It's that close. Amen. If you've not submitted to him today, submit to him. A lot of people's tried everything else. Won't you try him? Amen. If you've not, why don't you try him? Brother Ram says, get them to Jesus and let him do the rest. Don't get people to just the book or tape or the name Brother Branham. Get them to Jesus. He can change them. Me and you can't. But he can. We can introduce him to Jesus. Oh, and once we do that, we've done our part. He can do the rest. There's seeds somewhere. Where, I don't know. But he does. If we can get the people to submit, as Jesus stood in the garden and submitted. I've got another two to three hours on this, but I don't have time to go through it. He's standing there. And his will is fighting one against the other. And he goes back to this and then he goes, it looks as if, Brother Brown makes a statement, God turned his back on him. We would say, what kind of God is that? 
But he turns his back and Brother Brown says, he left him standing in the garden and he leaves him there. And he's got to come under submission to something. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He's asking the question, brother. Why did you do this to me? And all the crowds has left him. Ain't no miracles now. No signs, no wonders, no healings, no raising of the dead. He's standing there by himself. Why? Why? And he comes under full submission. Oh, the power, Brother Brad, of submission. I'm preaching on messages now on the power. I've went through the power of submission three or four weeks. I'm now preaching on the message called the power of sound. You wouldn't think power was in sound. Oh, the power of sound, Sister Janet, is so powerful. Maybe the Lord's willing, next time I'll speak on that if there's a next time. If we don't, we'll go in heaven. But anything associated, Brother Harry, with that name, there's power in it. There's power in it. Power. So much power, all Mary done was, I'm going to have a baby. And the angel told me to call him Jesus. And John began to dance and shout in the womb. So much power in the name. Just the name. I'm changing my song, Power in the Name of Jesus. Sing that one, not the other one for me. There's so much power in the name Jesus. Again, I wonder, do you know him? There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain.
Jesus Christ in the body of Jesus Christ. There's a true body on earth and Christ lives inside of her. There's power in the name. There's power in this. We've become so used to not having it. Don't let us get that way, children. Or tell them that's of the past. Those things are of the old days. He's the same God. He's not changed. I think where we've messed up is we've submitted to everything else and not Him. Let's just be honest. We've submitted to iPhones. We've submitted to Twitter. Hey, I'm not against all those things if they're done right. But you can't even go down the road now without it causing killings and wrecks. And we're so submitted to it. It's like it's latched on to us, social media. Just think, Brother Wes, if I would latch on to God like that, what could happen? And there's nothing wrong with Wi-Fi. You can't live without them today. Let's just be honest. You've got to have them. They run all the businesses now. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we need to place everything in order in our lives, submit to Him. He'll work a work like you've never seen. He'll work a work in your life like you've never seen. Do you believe that? Do you believe that life? Happy Valley, I start to say life tabernacle. That's all right. Y'all are tabernacle and you got life, so you life tabernacle too, bitch. So you, you life tabernacle, happy valley. Do you believe that? Let's give our Lord a hand clap of praise. Let's somebody praise Him in the house of God. Somebody say praise the Lord. Say hallelujah. Oh, there is power.
Thank you for letting me come being a part of your service today. I enjoy it every time I come. I appreciate the response. But let me tell you, respond to him. Respond to him. Let him come a part of your life. If you don't know him today, don't leave this church without knowing him. If you don't know him, don't leave without knowing him. If you want to know him better, you can know him better. If you want to. It's up to you. Submit to him today. God bless you. There is power in the name. Of Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Oh, to break every chain, break every chain, break every Oh, 
enjoy the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Let's just sing this little song. Please remember uh, Sister Erica. She got sick, had to leave service this morning, so we certainly want to remember her in our prayers today. Let's just sing this. You can be dismissed as you as you please this morning. Go ahead, keep pressing on. Amen. Oh, I'm gonna keep pressing on, on and on and on.
is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God.
rivers arise Let the sons and the daughters sing Oh, I'm surrendering my all I surrender to the King Oh, let the worshipers
sons and the daughters.